Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. So today is April 19th, 2022. This is Q&A number 88. This Q&A podcast is made for my virtual coaching group. So today I would like to welcome a new member, Terry in Florida. And um, the next thing I'd like to talk about is I put in the group today um, for you to go ahead and let me know about any personal best you had from last week so I can add you to the list. We have 14 names for April already, so congratulations to those of you that have had a win or personal best already. And uh, for new members that don't know, we do a uh, drawing once a month. Um, it's not a huge prize, but it is something so that everybody can get kind of fired up that the small victories that we have, whatever that is, a fast time at a new arena, taking your colt for their first exhibition, whatever it is, um, that those small wins eat up, lead up to meeting those big goals and your dreams coming true for those big wins. So anyways, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about a couple of things before I get into the Q&A and the topic for today. Um, this week's challenge for mindset is going to be the 60-second positive sprint. I really recommend that you write your own. I have one that I shared in the group that I've done as a podcast, but I would write down your own 60-second positive sprint, and after you write it, I would read it out loud every day. Some of you might already have a routine when you wake up in the morning before you turn on the TV or look at your cell phone. You just lay there in bed and reflect and maybe give thanks to God and pray for 60 seconds or longer. That's a perfect time to say out loud what you're grateful for and what you want to make of your day or week or of your life. And honestly, I think God listens. I know that we have angels that watch out over us. And I also believe that our brain will do whatever it can to make come true the things that we say um, so if you're going to tell your brain something, you might as well tell it good stuff, right? So tell it things you want to have happen. Um, ask God to guide you and be there for you too. All of those things really matter in life, whether it's barrel racing or just going, getting through your day at work or family or finances, whatever it is, health concerns, you know, the more positive we stay, the better. So I challenge you to do that for your mindset this week. Um, for your skill challenge, the D-pattern one-handed on a loose rein would be awesome because what that's going to do if you're on a free runner, you're going to get them to rate more off of your seat and your voice. If you're on a push horse, you're going to get them to be more fluid and flexible off your body and legs as they ride their hindquarters and quarter turns all the way around the barrel in the D-pattern. By riding on a loose rein, it teaches you to, as a rider, focus on looking at your quarter turns better, using your shoulders and hips more, your seat more, more give and take with your hand and legs and your seat together. Um, it's great for the young colt horse to learn transition and collection and balance. So it's just one of my favorite challenges for the group. And with a lot of new members, I think it'd be a great one to do again for old and new members. So that's this week's challenge. Um, as far as uh, things going on in the group, some people should know about. Um, as far as housekeeping goes, Monday I usually announce the wins. 
Um, I'd like to hear from you guys if I haven't already heard from you. Um, Tuesday, I'll normally put a video tip in the group for dry work or groundwork tip. Wednesday is usually some sort of drill. And Thursday is usually something for barrel pattern or pole bending pattern tips. And Friday is usually something for mindset. And then, of course, you're welcome to send me videos Monday through Sunday. I will usually respond to you right away and I always try to get your videos back to you within two days 48 hours if you haven't heard back from me within two days there is a chance I might have missed it or forgotten normally I write it down so I don't forget but sometimes I do um, so please if you haven't heard from me in two days send me out a reminder but remember um, if I have a clinic on the weekend um, it might take me longer to get back to you also if um there's a holiday or anything like that, there might be a 24 or 20, 24 or 48 hour turnaround time on your videos. So um, anything over two days, you might want to ask me if I've seen it, but normally 24 to 48 hours is the standard. So um, let's see here. As the group grows, I really value all of your feedback. So please send me questions if you have any suggestions for topics. If you don't understand something that I tell you to do in a video or I get to send you the videos to follow up, let me know as well. Um, so far, I've received about 20 videos from the weekend and I've done almost all of them. I probably have about eight left to go and it's... Um, still early in the day. So, so anyways, I have that to get done um, around my lessons schedule today. And then um, the topic today, I'm going to go through chapter four and five of my TLC book, um, how the TLC barrel pattern works, and also how getting back to basics applies um, with your open and novice horses. So, you know, I'll kind of touch on the schedule for a young horse as well. So let's see here. We did have some personal bests. Uh, Daniela Martini had a fast time personal best. Uh, let's see here. Jeannie and Guy D was third in the 1D. That's awesome. And um, that was a personal best. Barbara in Memphis had a beautiful smoking run. Uh, even though the timer uh, malfunctioned, she changed some things in her riding. It was gorgeous and nice improvements. That was a personal best. Um, let's see here. Caitlin in Kansas, she had a personal best, uh, third in the, or second in the 1D, sorry. Um, so anyways, thank you to all of you that have sent in your videos, and I am working on them now. Um, the first question that I had come in was, how do I know how to put my hand on the correct spot when I leave the first barrel and I'm going to my second barrel? Um, that's a really great question. Um, some people will put a knot in their rein. Some people can put a piece of tape like vet wrap or electric tape on their rein if that's a concern. I honestly personally don't, don't believe in the grab the center of your rein and slide your hand down because again, any anything that you're handling your horse's reins too much or anything extra you're doing in a run to me adds time on the clock. So I feel like if you do enough slow work in your muscle memory, even single barrel or D pattern where you go from two hand to one hand, or even the barrel pattern slow, two hand to one hand, 
you will learn as soon as you leave first barrel and pull up on the horn and give your horse their head um, to go back to the two hands. Your hand should just go right to its spot, which for most horses will be one or two hand lengths off of center. It should be in the same spot that your right hand or your first barrel hand, if you go to the right barrel first, is on the rein. And um, again, it, it will depend on your horse's rein length, all of that. But um, if you're a novice rider or a youth rider, putting a, a knot or a piece of tape on your rein could very well help you, um, like I mentioned. But most most likely, I would just prefer to see you do it through muscle memory. Um, the next comment I have, it's not really a question, but it was just kind of a comment of stuff that's been coming in this week. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's one deer bust and... Um, I know it's frustrating for some people. You know, there's some amazing horses in this group that win 4D checks every single time, you know, and you can spend that money just as good. So if you're happy on your 2D, 3D, or 4D horse, you don't have to feel the need to send them down the road. A question, the question that came in was, how long should I give a horse before I send them down the road, you know, if things aren't working out and I really love the horse? Um, and what they meant by not working out is they were not consistently in the 1D. Well, if you really love the horse, I wouldn't even, if that's something that's more important to you, loving the horse, than the 1D or bust, then I wouldn't even care about that. You know, it's no different than a kid getting an A on a report card or a C. You still love the kid. You're not going to get rid of the kid just because they got a C. So in my career with my horses, they've had 1D, 2D, 3D, and then really bad runs, a 4D run over the years. So, um, you know, if we went to the fence or something like that. So it's just one of those things where you just have to decide what's important to you. But Giving up on a horse for being one Mississippi off, um, you know, I feel like at any race, at any day, it could be somebody's lucky day and you could have your best run. Are there horses that have more motor than other horses? Absolutely. Are there horses out there that are just natural athletes? Absolutely. Do some horses have to be perfect to get into the 1D, have that fire and that turn with no mistakes? Yes. Um, are some horses way harder to ride than others? Absolutely. Um, so there's way more that goes into it. Uh, I think what you have to just think about, though, is, um, you know, am I maxed out right now? Am I still making mistakes? Does my horse still need something from me? You know, are, am I having fun? You know, am I enjoying this? Because some horses are so hard that they kind of steal your confidence away and just don't make it fun. Um, and some some teams just don't click together. So again, there's nothing wrong with selling a horse if you find them a good home and a better fit than yourself. So again, it's just what makes it work for you. Um, you know, some people are only going to put six months into a horse. And if it's not showing the potential they want, that horse is down the road because it doesn't meet their goals. Um, you know, but for some of us, our horses are our kids and we keep them forever. So again, we all have to decide that now um, on your own 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 decision. But as far as, you know, if it has to happen in one year, if you put it on a calendar, you might get frustrated. Some teams I see it takes two years, three years to really put it all together. So um, it just depends on how much time you can dedicate to it. 
and um, all of that. So those are all factors to consider. The next question was how to fix me if my open horse doesn't need drills or barrel work. That's a very good question. Um, if you have a horse that really doesn't need drills or barrel work, you've got a, two options. You have to really learn how to visualize, and I mean really get good at it. You can walk the pattern in your mind. You can do it on foot. Um, you can just, just spend a lot of time visualizing. The other really great thing was a, a drill I put into the group last week was the pasture loops. Um, I also put a video and a diagram of it. This way the horse doesn't even think they're doing barrels, but yet you're working on the exact same cues you would need in competition. So while you're conditioning your horse out in the pasture, just to keep them fit for competition, you can do these pasture loops and have a go cue, a rate cue, and a turn cue and work on riding your quarter turns, work on good form from you and your horse, etc. As long as you know the ground is safe, that's a good way to do that. The next question says, I'm hard on myself and I feel like quitting when I can't lay down the run that I know my horse can do and how do I get better? Um, the first thing I want you to do is stop taking it so seriously and just smile and try to enjoy it. And I know that probably is the last thing you want to hear from me right now, but sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves that we forget that that, that leads into tension and pressure in our body. And then that leads to tension and pressure for our horses. And imagine what our horses feel like when they know how you act when you're just riding around at home or out in the pasture, or out on the trail, versus how you act when you're warming up at a barrel race or sitting in the holding pen or during your run. So if you really want to be good, you've got to learn how to handle that part first, the mindset, the mental game. Um, as a coach, it is not my style to yell or downgrade or push and push and push somebody. My style is to teach and encourage. And yes, I believe in all of you. I believe you're capable of more. Um, but you've got to not give up on yourself. You've got to cut yourself some grace and realize that it takes time. Um, perfectionists are the worst about being hard on themselves. So if you are a perfectionist, you have to kind of just set smaller goals like that's a win and focus more on what you did right than what you did wrong because all that negative talk in your brain just starts to build up and that's why that pressure gets to you and then you start feeling like you're going backwards. Um, the next thing, there's five things you can do um, to improve yourself. Practice, practice with purpose. And again, it doesn't have to be in the arena or on a pattern. It can be in the pasture. Prepare. Have you done everything you can do, making sure your horse feels good, you've got the right tack, saddle, all of those things. Um, you've, you know, got them the pattern where you're going figured out, all of the important things. You've, um, you know, know where the stakes are, the timers, what might distract your horse, you know, if the pattern's out in the middle of nowhere or on a fence, that kind of stuff. Um visualizing, you know, are you good at visualizing what you need to do? Are you good at being in the moment and staying positive and having fun? Um, you know, and then also being thankful for what you do do well and learning from what you didn't. 
Um, all of those are five things that you can really work on yourself there. So, so I do want you to try to be proud of yourself for your small wins because those do add up. Have fun, be positive, and um, and your horse is going to feel that energy. Um, when you get super hard on yourself, they're going to feel it. So again, uh, doing that uh, 60 seconds prayer or sprint. I love me. I love my horse. I'm thankful for everything in my life. You know, I'm thankful to get to make a run. Um, you know, I'm thankful for being healthy. My horse is healthy that we are able to be here today. I just want a smooth, you know, smooth run, smooth as fast. Um, every run's a blessing. You know, those kind of things. Don't forget to, to do that for yourself. Um, I'm going to ride to my spot, so I'm going to be there for my horse, pet them afterwards. You know, those are all things to think about. The next question, um, what to do when I can't figure my horse out? There are times where a horse just is really hard to figure out. We've tried things through training and everything else, and then that's when you might want to step outside of your box and contact maybe even an animal communicator. Um, it doesn't mean that what they tell you is 100% accurate. It's just interpretation, but it might give you some insight that you haven't had before. And one person asked me, you know, well, I don't know if that's, you know, a Christian thing to do and all of that. Well, you know, I I think that's a personal decision, but I, I have found that um, many of my Christian friends have used them. The animal communicators I talk to are definitely in the believers of life after death and angels and God and, and all of that. So I don't know that that's a bad thing. Um I do believe God gives us all intuition. Some just are more sensitive than others. So those are things to consider. Um, you can also try, you know, different things with your horse, massage and tea touch to relax them. And, you know, there's a lot of different things. There's your LifeWave patches. There's just so many things, essential oils. There's a lot of things you can do outside of the box to start helping you and your horse's mind get a little bit more right. Um, but you might be surprised at what an animal communicator could tell you. I found it very interesting the one time I used one for two of my horses. So um, it's just something else that might help you um, when you start to feel frustrated with a horse's, um, you know, that maybe, you, look, every barrel horse has, has quirks. And sometimes the best barrel horses are the quirkiest of all. And you have to learn to work with their quirks. Not, and, and that's why I'm saying if you can understand what they're, why they're doing what they're doing, it will help you be more forgiving of what they're doing. So I learned to pick my battles with my horses. And that's something, you know, um, you have to do. You know, it's something that, you know, it's just like people. Some people are laid back. Some people are high energy. Some people are you know, got their little dependence, you know, that they have that they need to do or don't like to do. It's no different than horses. So I really think that's really important to learn to work with your horse's quirks and not against them and try to understand where they're coming from. The next question was about slipping on a ground at first barrel. What should you do on the rest of the pattern? Me personally, if I go in there and I've noticed before I ran that other horses are slipping, 
I may just draw out, you know, I'm not going to risk getting hurt. But if you didn't see anybody slip and then you go in there and slip at first, I'm going to slow my horse down if it was just a little slip and just ease through the rest of the pattern. But if they have a big slip, I'm going to pull up because I don't know if the adrenaline, um, they could have hurt themselves and keep going might really hurt them. So I would like to finish a pattern if I could at a, either a slow lope or a trot, but you know, just because I don't want my horse to learn to be scared of the pattern after a slip. Um, but if I think they're hurt, I'm absolutely getting off and leading them out for sure. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, a decision. It's not no barrel races worth uh, getting hurt at. You know, even um, one year Kelly Yates on Fiesta was at the NFR. And that was a long time ago and the ground wasn't always great and the mare hurt herself real bad at third barrel at the NFR. So, you know, that's running for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars Um, they're letting it all out on the line and those horses are used to rodeo ground, but most of us are competing at smaller super shows or jackpots that aren't paying that much. It's really not worth getting hurt over. So um, that's why I don't believe in really reaching down and stand up barrels if you don't have to. Um, you know, it's one thing to you know, you know, I've just seen too many wrecks. So, so anyways, I think safety is, should absolutely be first and foremost. And, um, and that, that also, I think will help a horse, um, you know, not lose trust because what will happen is if you keep pushing a horse on bad ground, they're going to learn not to trust you either. And smart horses will safety up. Okay. So the next one, um, is uh, a little bit more about talking about how to make that good horse great. And I mentioned that all horses can be quirky and that we have to learn to develop them and, and pick our battles. But secondly, try to um, trying to develop a horse um, not against what they are. You know, if you have a, a free runner, learn to sit for them. If you have, you know, a pushy horse or a hot horse, you know, you, you've got to learn how to ride for them to develop a horse that is into their best. So you have to know their weaknesses and strengths. And I think that's really important. Um, the next question was about leg boots. Should I use them or not? I personally feel like for protection, absolutely. But I do, I have seen heat bows, especially in the hot, humid summer months where people leave them on too long. They leave them on while they're at the trailer. They leave them on for the whole time they're riding them. Um, and those boots are not always very good at breathing. Polo wraps breathe even less. Um, so you can really get a horse in trouble if they get too hot. Um, we all know that we ice horses' legs, we cold hose horses' legs. We even use back-on-track boots and, and different kind of boots, sweat wrap a horse. So there are times when you want to have some heat around a horse, but you don't want to have it all the time. So my suggestion is, you know, um, it's just like if you put a horse in a trailer with a blanket on and don't open up the windows... Um, and then you get there and your horse is super sweaty, well, they have a lot more muscle and heat radiating off of them, you know, and you have to be careful when you do stuff like that. Just like, um, you know, putting a whole lot of horses in a, in a trailer in the heat of the summer, even with the windows open and down, they'll still be sweaty when you get there from all that body heat in that trailer. So um, you have to be smart about that. So I prefer to put my leg boots on right before competition, take them off right after. I don't put them on for warm up. I don't put them on for slow work. 
Um, I only put them on to compete and take them right back off. I, I do believe they offer some support and definite protection. I've seen horses come out with blood on their legs that weren't wrapped. And because of one hoof hits another part of a leg or something. So um, those are things to think about as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the rollback horse hand position. Um, okay, so that's a tough one. But um, again, you should always try to ride in the moment. But I like to go two hands between the barrels on, on young horses or push style horses, um, even the free runner. There are certain open horses you can ride one hand throughout. Um, but if you have a horse that really anticipates, um, you may be best to ride two hands and then one, one stride before the barrel if they feel like they're getting in the hole and you can feel that they're listening and you've got your your spot picked out and they're working you could go to the horn one stride out when you sit down but the key when you go to the horn is don't drop your hand keep your hand forward in the middle of their neck by their mane halfway between the saddle horn and their ears don't lift it up to your chest don't drop it down to their shoulder don't bring it back to your saddle horn because all of that says don't just rate also slow down and turn and that's too much for horses so um, you have to learn that when you separate your rate and turn cues that your hand should not move and you should still look between their ears riding in the hole not looking at the barrel or down their neck all of those can be miscommunications to turn too soon um, but it's okay when you do sit down if you have a real stiff sticky rollback horse when you sit and go to the horn, you still need to drive them with your voice and your legs and your eyes. You must, on a rollback horse, look at spots one, two, and three. You cannot look up too soon on that horse. You have to keep that rein hand forward. You may even have to pull yourself up a little on your saddle horn, not leaning over their withers, but still keeping your body sitting up and not sitting down as deep on your pockets. Now, you may have to drive with your feet and smooch throughout that run as well. So um, we often think of sitting down as pushing with our palm of our hand against the saddle horn and locking our elbow in to place. That will really help you lock down going in. But if there's a time where you feel too much rate, you can use your fingers and pull up on your horn a hair where you're sitting back up, but not, you know, sitting up, but not leaning over their horn or the withers um, so that's the big difference ride from the waist down um, push them with your voice and your legs you know you can still drive them and keep your shoulders and hips square so that's really important on that horse riding your outside hip to spots one two and three do not go to your inside hip on that horse inside hip will tell them to turn as well so either sit back in the middle of them or even a little weight in your outside hip or stirrup. And I mean a little because I know when they're going fast, you don't want to be left behind. Um, the next question was about finishing turns, um, not finishing first. Okay, okay. The next question is not finishing first barrel and then feeling like you have to pull them really hard to get them over in time for second. So the reason that happens is... Um, Looking at most videos when that happens, the horse is starting their first barrel too soon or the rider is getting up before they finish the, 
turn before they get to their pivot spot. So if you get up at spot two, of course your horse is going to blow out wide and then you're going to have to pull them over. If your horse starts their turn too soon, then they're going to end up taking an extra stride around the barrel or their pivot foot's going to be in the wrong position when it is time to pivot and they're going to go off wide at spot three instead of heading to second barrel so both of those can cause that and that's why it's so important that our front and back feet have to get to spots one two and three and that our pivot spot on first and third barrel is once your horse's hip clears the back side of spot two and on second barrels where people struggle, it has to get all the way to spot three, the exit before they pivot. But that is why on first barrel, you're pivoting too soon. Um, or the fact is you started your turn too soon. So you may have tried to get up too soon at spot two instead of at your pivot spot between spot two and three. Or you just you know, or taking that extra stride around the barrel from starting the turn too soon. So those are the main reasons. I'm going to go ahead and talk about the topic now. And the topic, um, a lot of you know, um, I believe in teaching the horses a pattern based on certain spots. I feel like those three spots are key to having fluid snappy turns. Um, we've talked about getting your leg to the barrel before you start your turn what I don't like to see is hurry in and stall out. It should always be easy in and hurry out. <clears throat> I really feel like um, all of you have my book now, either in an email or the hard copy. If you would go to read chapter four on page 22, that would really help you a lot on understanding the TLC program. So I would love for you to do that. You can also purchase a book on Amazon but when you are considering training your own horse or tuning your own horse, make sure you are doing it with purpose. If you have a horse that doesn't rate, make sure they're transitioning before the barrel. Make sure they're rating off your body and slowing down one speed. And make sure they're not hurrying out until they're after spot three. Keep them relaxed and focused until it's time to snap out. And make sure they're picking up their correct leads if you're going from a lope to a trot or back to a lope, um, that kind of stuff. That's all very important. As far as going back to basics during the week, um, if you have an open horse, you just really have to keep them mentally and physically happy and physically fit. So most of your riding is just going to be conditioning them out in the pasture. Some people pony them. Some people put them behind uh, four-wheelers or golf carts. Some people hot walker them. But I don't think that that should be all you do. I really think you need to get on them once or twice a week just to have that bonding time and to get back to basics. When you're out in the field, you can make sure their face flexing soft. They're moving off your leg. They're two tracking. You can pick up the shoulder, soften the ribs, push in the hip. You can do transitions off body, loose rein woe. Just go back to basics. They'll back up straight. They'll back up in um, a circle. You know, um, a horse that lets you uh, do a circle nose in, nose out, shoulder in, shoulder out. They can counter arc. Um, roll back, side passing, all those things are super important. Um, you will go back to basics your entire career of your horse. 
you know, because when you're going fast in a high adrenaline sport, they become very untrained and get very on the muscle. Oftentimes you'll find after you ride them at a show, the next ride, they might be a little up. So that's the perfect day after a day off from competition, they get a day of rest. And then the next time you ride them, that's a great day to just make it a fun, easy day, do some groundwork or go for a ride in the pasture on the trail. And then as the day week goes on, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe then do your drills or your slow work on the barrels. But I always think of um, knowing your horse. Maybe an open horse is better to have the day off before competition, where a young novice horse, a schedule for a beginner barrel horse, you might want to do them more. You might need five days a week on that horse, and your sessions could range from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on um, what they need and how they're being. Um, but I would always quit on a try. If a horse is being good, be done in 30 minutes. Um, you know, if if you just want to take a mountain pasture ride when you're done, that's fine too. But, but it's important to make uh, not all rides hard, but make some rides fun. You know, have a day you go track cattle or trail ride, um, and then mix it up. Do some loose rein riding, but also do some collection riding. You know, um, both are good for horses. Um, both have their value because let's say you're running to first burrow and you sit down and you have to check your horse or you're going to a burrow and the ground's not that great and you need to help them or position them and your horse has not been working in the bridle on contact rein, all of a sudden you go to ask them to let them handle their face and move a shoulder and they just bite you and pull pull away from you. So that's where loose rein riding all the time wouldn't benefit you. Um, and then there's a time where um, you your horse is running super hard and you sit down and say, whoa, and they don't listen. Um, and then you're in trouble because you haven't been working enough on loose rein riding. Your horse isn't working off your body and your voice again. So each has their value and you need to pay attention to detail. So that's very important too. As far as adding speed, um, only add speed once they're consistent for a little while. Let's say you've had several 3D runs and they're clean and the horse is confident and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to push them a little bit more from second to third this time, you know, or maybe a little bit more fire out of first, or maybe I can give them a little bit more go cue to first this time, but don't go from just a little bit more gas to first by you know, giving them their rein to all of a sudden kicking five times to first. That's a huge difference. Um, letting a horse pick their pace versus kicking five times is like going from one to 10. So if all of a sudden you've been picking your pace, letting them pick the pace, but all of a sudden you want to go a little faster, then um, instead of kicking five times, just give them their head and smooch and maybe kick one time and see how that worked out for you. Will they still rate? Will they still turn the next barrel? Um, and do they still turn that barrel? Um, you know, that kind of stuff. So don't go from A to Z without, you know, B, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, take your steps. Don't skip steps. Um, education with speed takes time. If you start having problems or making mistakes, slow down and do it at a speed the horse can do it confident and correctly again. Look at your photographs, send them to me, send me your videos. Let's look at it in slow motion. Let's zoom in and, and see where we can help your horse, okay? Um, sometimes a second set of eyes is helpful. Sometimes seeing things uh, in slow motion is helpful. 
and all of that. Pictures can tell a lot too. Um, you know, those are very, those are all uh, very, very helpful in helping you decide what's working or not working. Keeping a journal is extremely important. The one thing you've got to keep in mind to be the best at your very best, whether it's 1D or 3D, as long as your horse is being their best, they're only going to have two strides of rate and only two strides around each barrel. They're going to have fire and snappy turns. So if you're missing one of the two, you will not clock. And um, there's a ladies in our group now from Texas. They just sent me a video that um, they had Tanner time there. Tanner time is one of the greatest tools, but it's not an easy system to set up. And that's why I don't think it took off really well all over. We used it in Colorado at the state finals one year. But they basically have like a gun that shows how fast you run miles per hour home from third barrel home. But then there's like eight timers throughout the pattern. There's a timer to see how fast you go to first, how fast you get around each barrel, and how fast you go between the barrels. And I think I've told you guys this story about my 14, or excuse me, 15 hand and 16 hand horse. And one was built like a Mack truck, 15 hands wide stocky horse the other was lean and running looking 16 hand dash for cash and the other one was sunny d bar skipper w well anyways um they would run the exact same times but he was 26 miles an hour running home she was 24 miles an hour running home she would outrun him in the turns by two tenths and he would outrun her between the barrels by a couple tenths so they would almost identically run the same times, but they each had their strengths and weaknesses. And that's the greatest educator, and hear me on this, the greatest educator you will ever meet if you want to be the best horseman you can be is the horse. Every single horse you come in contact with will teach you something. You will learn from every single horse. Um, that's why it was important to me to train my own barrel horses and to treat them each as individuals. They each had their own style and position and timing. Every client I meet, I try to treat as an individual for each horse and rider. Um, you know, everybody's a little bit unique and you keep learning. You never stop learning. And you can go to different disciplines and learn. You can go to different clinics and lessons and learn. Um, you may not take everything. Some things you will be like, oh, I'm never using that. I don't like that at all. But you can always say, hey, yeah, I like that. I'm going to use that in my program. Or no, that doesn't work for me. And that's why journaling is important too. When something changes, just start thinking, what changed? Did I change my horse's diet? Did I change their routine? Did we move to a new barn? Did they get a new buddy? I mean, just so many things can make a difference with a horse. Um, and you have to give give all those things thought. You know, was it a different kind of barrel race? Was it a county fair? Was it a rodeo? You know, all those things change, different kind of ground. Um, so much that's why I want you to journal and then go back. Okay, I'm coming back to this barrel race. I haven't been here in six months. Let me look at my journal. Oh, okay, last time I was here, I um, I got by first. So this time I'm going to be ready for that. Oh, last time I was here, I went way past third. Okay, I'm going to be ready for that. Oh, I hit second last time. All right, I'm going to make sure to give my horse room and ride to the fence, you know, and just think about things like that. So um, that's why it's important to keep a journal. So um, those are just some things I would like you to 
consider um, when you're training your horses because it's extremely important. If you can get a barrel horse um, that's really athletic to want to, to rate a barrel and to turn a barrel off the lightest cues, anytime we have to do too much for our horses, it's going to slow us down. So ideally, 80% should be off of your eyes and your body, you know, where you can just sit up to go, sit down for rate, and turn your hip and shoulder for a turn. Um, now, mind you, it can be backed up with a little voice or hand and leg bumps, but uh, the bulk of your riding should be from your eyes and your body. And then again, being in the moment, but knowing your horse's um, sweet spots, you know, every horse is going to vary based on their um, stride and size and style. Some are going to need a bigger arc, some a smaller arc to first. Some are going to want a smaller spot one or two. Um, some you're going to need to get up in the hole longer, deeper. Some you're going to back off sooner. Some you're going to have to shape them a little. Some you're just going to ride them in their square. Some you're going to push. Some you're going to float. They all a little different. So um, I think that's important to keep in mind when you're working with a horse. But if you miss one spot in competition or in training, it's going to magnify. The one thing you can count on, though, in barrel racing, even though the arenas change, the ground changes, the fact that you go one right and two lefts or one left and two rights is not going to change. So knowing where your spots are, it's the most important thing you can do to be relaxed when you run, you know, having yourself a little game plan that, okay, um, you know, I'll be ready for this because this is a little different, the alley approach or the barrels out in the open, whatever. But ultimately you're looking at your spots. What is going to change is your timing and, um, and that's it. Your position isn't going to change, but your timing definitely will. So if your horse is running really hard that day, you might back off and talk to them sooner. If your horse is being lazy, you may have to wake them up and drive them more. So, um, you know, you just have to be smart when you're out there. And that's why we practice. That's why we visualize. That's why we prepare. So I hope today's um, Q&A and topic was helpful for you. Um, you know, please use the resources that I send you to understand my program. My program was developed in 30 years. I've had people come to five, six, seven clinics, um, private lessons for years, been in this group for almost two years. It's not something you learn overnight. And so for you to truly understand my program or anybody's program in just one lesson or one visit or one clinic would never be possible. That's why I try to make so many sources for you, like my notebook, like my videos, um, all of that. So it helps you understand a program that's been developed over 30 years. There's, like I said, it's not something you get overnight. So I want to close by saying um, laugh. Laughter is the best medicine for everything. So remember to laugh. Um, and be happy and enjoy it because, you know, it is a blessing to be able to be feel good and be able to ride your horse and compete. You know, you don't realize that until that's gone. Um, and, and so appreciate where you are right now. Um, and, and whenever possible, you know, be like God, be like Jesus and lift people up, um, heal people, restore people, you know, not 
you know, with Easter just passing, you know, it's not our place to judge people. I know we all make mistakes. We're all dealing with something, you know, um, and most people are just so involved in their own world. You know, they're just so busy trying to get through their day and their life and their goals. Um, that, that that's when you come into contact with people, I guess that's the biggest thing is just, you know, to think of healing and restoring and lifting up others is such a good way to go through life, whether that's with people, animals, all of that. So, um, you know, I just want to thank you all for tuning in and thank you for being a part of team TLC. And as always ride with heart and God bless.